0: This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Yankees dropping their first
1: series of the season. We'll get into that. The Mets in action right now, Sunday Night Baseball, uh, in San Francisco to take on the Giants. Split the first two games, looking for the series victory tonight. We will talk about that. Got some news on the Aaron Rodgers front. Uh, Courtesy of Ian Rappaport, NFL Insider. For the NFL Network saying that the talks between the Jets and the Packers have re-engaged. So we could see a potential trade happen before the draft four days from now. So that is on the table. But of course, you know where we have to start. And that is in the Mecca of basketball. New York City playoff basketball. Nothing like it. Knicks take a 3-1 lead over the Cavs. 102-93 with the final score. I was at the Garden. And before we even get into the conversation about the game... I just got to give a shout-out to all the fans. This is an early start. It's a quick turnaround. You go from Friday night where there is an expectation that it's going to be a sold-out arena. Everyone's got all the energy going. Quick turnaround, Sunday afternoon. Probably could expect a late arriving crowd. No chance that they were buzzing in there before tip off. It was lit. So I want to give a shout out to the crowd. It was relentless, screaming, standing the entire time. They were all over the officials the whole game. Scott Foster, you know, was was catching all the smoke. It was incredibly loud in there. And look, it, it, it probably is the best sports venue as far as like events go, regular season and playoffs. There was this one Cavs fan sitting near me wearing an Evan Mobley jersey. God help his soul. He had his moments of shine in the third quarter. Uh, But outside of that, it was just an amazing place to be in. So uh, thank you to Ryan Hurley and John Winthrop for allowing me to be there today. I had a fun time. There is nothing like the type of energy you get from playoff basketball here in this city when the Knicks are good. And that's right. Right now they're a good team. They're up 3-1 on the Cavs. Is it better when the Knicks are good? Or is or is this notion a product of us New Yorkers feeling like we're more important than we are? I'm not sure. Bing what ball. I do know is the Knicks being one win away from the second round for the first time in more than a decade is a huge win for the city. It's a huge win for the station and is a huge win for this fan base. We needed to wait until the playoffs to render a verdict on this, but I think it is time to now start to fairly ask the question where does Jalen Brunson rank as far as all time signings in Knicks history? All he did today was go 29 6 6. Could you ever imagine the Knicks winning a playoff game where Julius Randle scored seven points? Absolutely not. How do I know that? Go back two years, he struggled. Hawks bounced him in five games. You insert J- Jalen Brunson into the equation, and the overall roster, which we'll get to, is a lot better than it was two years ago. But Jalen Brunson, I mean, the face of what was an off, uh, you know, a-, a makeover this offseason by Leon Rose is and has been an amazing signing. And really, you start to question. I came across this on Twitter yesterday, courtesy of uh, Josh Eberly, who, who does a good job for the NBA. Like, if you look at the landscape of the guards in the Eastern Conference, how many of them can you definitively say are better than Jalen Brunson right now? You go Jalen Brown, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell, you want to say what this series might, might be changing your mind about that. Uh, Trey Young, James Harden, But it's a legitimate conversation. Where does Jalen Brunson rank among the guards in the Eastern Conference? And for a team that has been devoid of a point guard, starving for one, you finally get one. And he's playing the best basketball of his career to the point where we're now having a conversation about him being one of the best point guards in this conference. So it's a huge game for him, huge game for the Knicks, who... Again, one win away from being in the second round uh, for the first time since you know, Mello was here with that with that fifty four win season and them you know getting to to six games with the Pacers, but it, it, it was an exciting game. So let's address the elephant in the room, and that was the guy talking to you right now, who I guess something happened, uh, Jacob. Something something happened. Something something went wrong.
2: On Twitter,
3: I think
1: there was a little bit of an autocorrect situation because I, I typed Knicks in five, but it autocorrected it to Cavs in five, and I hit send without double checking. So how does that work when it comes to predictions? Like, do I get to to say that it really was Knicks in five? I, I'm just kidding. I, I did pick the Cavs to win this series in five games, all jokes aside. I thought coming into this series, they were the better team. With if everyone played to their apex, had the best player, Donovan Mitchell. You heard it on the broadcast today. It's just when you go from by a point per game metric, he is an all time playoff performer. And I I thought having him against this team. I would would be a huge difference. The Cavs were the number one defense. They have home court advantage. I thought they would have four of the six best players in this series. And because of the question marks surrounding Julius Rand- uh, Randall's ankle and him not playing for three weeks, that was going to be a disservice to the Knicks because any compromised version of him, in my mind, was going to mean that this team was drawing dead. And obviously, I've been proven wrong. So I'll wear that. And you want to hit me up on Twitter, Tidy Butler, or call up the phones, 800-919-3776. I ain't running from anybody. I'm not hiding. I see Rothenberg, my guy, tweeting at me, a bunch of folks coming at me. You can do it. It's, it's all good. It, it, it comes with the territory. When you put yourself out there and you make predictions, don't You're hide fraud. from it. No, come, you come, you you come, you stand here, and you take the heat. And that's what I'm going to do right now. The Knicks up 3-1 in this series. The Cavs in five prediction looks like a total failure. Uh, We can talk uh, about whether or not they can still win this series. But obviously that prediction uh, is not aging well. So if that's something you want to holler at me about, let's do it. All uh, all fun and games. But no, it wasn't a troll. I I legitimately thought the Cavs were much better. And and having a hampered Julius Randle was going to to do the Knicks in. And so far that has not materialized. But yes, I am here as, as the person who picked the Cavs to win this series in five games. But as far as that prediction is concerned, here's what's going wrong. Game one... The Knicks-Bigs abused Cleveland. The the Twin Towers, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, just got embarrassed on the boards on both ends. And that's a credit to Mitchell Robinson. That's a credit to uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, Josh Hart, Julius Randle. All of those guys were up for the challenge. They heard about that interior presence that, that presented itself in Cleveland, and they took it to the challenge. And then, by the way, made it a game, did the Cavs. They, they went from down 10 midway through the fourth quarter to up one. Knicks call a timeout. Josh Hart hits a, a contested three with 149 left in, uh, in the fourth quarter. Knicks go on to win the game. And I just thought that was the biggest shot because when the Cavs had done everything to get back into that game, multiple turnovers they forced, Donovan Mitchell – and, and and Darius Garland doing their, their best job to to will them to victory once Josh Hart hits that shot it was demoralizing you felt the energy sucked out of the building in Cleveland and that's what ultimately happened game 2 was a blowout uh Cavs hit every three it seemed like Knicks just were looked like content Splitting the series in Cleveland, taking one of the home games in game three, the Cavs just didn't appear to be ready for the energy of the Madison Square Garden of the building. They just looked shook. There was no poise. Like you can see it on their faces, that that petrified look like, yeah, this is a different animal. This is a, a road game in Charlotte. In September, this is the Mecca of basketball, playoff intensity, fans are screaming, the building is shaking, and they just did not look ready for the challenge, and it actually continued into the first two quarters of today's game before Darius Garland finally woke up and the Cavs have made a run, I believe it was an 18-7 run, uh, to put the Cavs ahead and then credit the Knicks, because in a game where your best player shoots 3 of 10, scores 7 points, and I'm talking about Julius Randle played only 27 minutes, didn't play in the fourth quarter, and a game where you really didn't get anything from Emmanuel quickly, you got no quit and grinds because he's out with an injury, and you find a way to, to, to rally the troops. The Knicks poised in this series, like, they're coming across as an experienced team. Because I mentioned what happened in Game 1 where you go from up 10 to down 1. An inexperienced team crumbles in that situation. On the road, in Cleveland, you've got two great players in the backcourt for the Cavs scoring points. You have every reason to crumble, and they showed fight. They showed poise. And it was Josh Hart's first ever playoff game. Like, he's considered a veteran now, but, you know, playing with the Lakers, playing with the Pelicans, playing with the Blazers, never played in the playoffs, he hits a big shot. then today... Uh, I mean, could you imagine how traumatic that would have been to go from up 15, Brunson cooking, RJ cooking, and and losing that? You're staring at a 3-1 lead, and you lose that at home, and now you got to go back to Cleveland with the series tied two games apiece. That would have been absolutely just devastating. So you give them credit for, once again, channeling that, that, uh, I want to say, inner – Uh, experience that really doesn't exist, but the poise that they have that shows a a team that looks more experienced than the, the, the actual bio would say that they are. So credit to the Knicks. Credit to the coaching staff. Credit to everyone, and that also includes R.J. Barrett, who we will talk about coming up next because the question is, does Ty Butler owe R.J. Barrett an apology? I purposely went majority of the first segment not mentioning his name. He obviously was fantastic today, but we'll talk about him coming up. Do I owe R.J. Barrett an apology?
0: You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
1: The sun is shining. I'm feeling good. You know, I'm, I'm one who likes to keep myself in shape so the, so the mile doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really plague me too much. But just the inconvenience of being stuck in traffic and dealing with the parade, you're just hit with that dose of, man, this feels amazing. To to be in a city where this New York playoff basketball, my favorite sport, is thriving and I get to go to a game, an important game for a series altering game for series altering game four. Cavs obviously can't feel good about where they are down 3-1. do go home and maybe could put some pressure on the Knicks because the Knicks have no interest in playing a game six, and then things get dicey. But, you know, you are in a precarious situation if you're the Cavs because you're now staring at an eight-game sample size that has seen your team lose six of eight to the Knicks. And you're thinking... Maybe they're just better than us. And we don't really have answers. And if Donovan Mitchell is going to continue to stink it up the way that he has, the Cavs have no shot. He's 14 of 37 in his last two games. Actually, didn't play all that well in their winning game two because Garland lit it up. They were up, you know, 20 at halftime and hit every three. Garland had 26 in the first half. He didn't need to do much. But we haven't seen great Donovan Mitchell since game one. And that's a problem for the Cavs. Now, you credit the Knicks defense, Josh Hart. Their perimeter defense has been awesome. And some like one of the benefits going to the game, and we'll get to your phone calls, 800-919-3776. You just get to see things a little bit differently. The pressure they are putting on the Cav guards, I mean, that perimeter defense has been outstanding. And the Knicks, this year, quietly, were like 19th in, in defense this year overall. But they've just turned it up in the playoffs, and they've got erasers in the painted area. Not just Robinson, but Hartenstein just cleaning it up. If their guards get beat, you're going to have a hard time getting to the rim finishing over those two guys. So, I mean, the defense has been special, absolutely special. That's Thibodeau's calling card. 800 Batting leadoff today is Eric, who's in Morristown. He was at the game today. Eric, what's up? Talk to me.
4: Chai, the garden was
3: absolutely electric today. Just getting home from the garden now. It feels like 1994 in that Rangers, Knicks, back-to-back. They're both leading the series. They're both winning. And you just stole my thunder. I mean, the three-pointers put the nail in the coffin, but the Knicks defense was the key. And shout-out to Jalen Brunson. The guy's amazing. I love that guy. Yeah, man.
1: I mean, listen, it was a great game to be at. Appreciate the call. It it, it felt like, again, the Cavs just couldn't match. They couldn't match the intensity of the Knicks and the fans. Because the fans, there is a real home court advantage feel. Like, when we talk about the best home court advantages in sports, the reason why, and look, I'm not taking a shot at the Knicks when I say this. This is just factual. The reason why the Knicks never come up is because we don't really see them in big games. We talk about, like, the Warriors. We talk about the Seahawks with the 12th man. The Knicks never really come up because it's been a while since they've been a consistently good team where you can actually have that feel of what the garden is in the playoffs. And we're seeing it. The Cavs are shook right now. They are absolutely shook. I mean, they're turning the ball over left and right. It's just... Maddening to see a team this talented look so significantly overwhelmed for large portions of uh, of the series. They were just completely outmatched in Game 1. Uh, I'm sorry, in Game 3, the first of, of the two at the Garden in Game 3. And in the first half of this game, I know it was only a 9-point deficit. That really was a Nick thing as opposed to it being more about the Cavs. They just, the Garden has a feel to it that is so intimidating, especially to a young team. So, I mean, the fans deserve a lot of credit for for what they've put out on display uh, in this series so far. Let's head to Yonkers to talk to Steven. What's up, Steven?
4: Hey, what's going on, Ty? Uh, shout out to the Knicks. We got Game 5 coming up on Wednesday. I did want to call in and just, uh, you know, rub it in your nose a little bit. I know you said Cavs in 5. Let's do it, man. So. I did want to uh, mention that first and foremost, but I did have a question for you. Um, what do you think is the bigger influence, at least in the last two games? Do you think it's that the role players for the Knicks have stepped up so much, or is it just that the Cavs are just coming up short and you know the moment is just too big for them? Which, which, which do you think is more important?
1: It's a great question, and I appreciate the call. I it's it's It's, it's to me... Like a combination of both, right? Like the the Knicks' role players, which is such a fascinating uh, pocket of this, because all, like all year long, when we think about the role players, we're thinking IQ, we're thinking of Grimes. IQ really hasn't given you much in the series. Grimes didn't play at all, and it still feels like the role players have had a lot to do with the success of the Knicks. Emmanuel quickly <laughs> was an over today. Missed both of his threes, missed all four of his shots, gave you a couple of rebounds, and was a positive on the court because of his perimeter defense. But Josh Hart, I mean, like he started today, but he's a role player. He gave you 19 points, seven rebounds. And how many times are we going to watch him go coast to coast with little to no resistance from the Cavs' defense? He's a high energy guy, and it seems like every time he hits a three pointer, it's a big shot. You trust him in crunch time. You trust him when it comes to decision making. He's just been—he had one turnover on the fast break where he did like an up and down. But outside of that, I mean, this trade has been an absolute win for the Knicks. Hartenstein coming over from the Clippers. What was the expectation for him? He was a little bit of a, a little bit of a. A more polished offensive player than Mitchell Robinson was. Did we expect this level of defense? He's an amazing passer. So, so the depth has really provided a spark for the Knicks. And then Obi Toppin has really revamped his role because all we all we saw from him first couple of years in the league was that he could dunk. Right, like get him in a fast break. He's going to excite the crowd. He, you know, competed in the dunk contest, but this year. He's evolved into more of a guy who can, you know, spot up and shoot the three and feel comfortable doing it. He had a play today that ignited the crowd where he goes up for an offensive rebound and then takes it all the way to the basket himself, finishes it with a nice little right-handed uh, lay-in. So he he's trying to morph into a more all-around player. Still doesn't give you much defensively, but the energy that he brings and how effective he has been in this role, understanding his limitations, not trying to do too much, and that's the key with a well-coached team like Tom Thibodeau. The Knicks are don't turn the ball over a ton; they're not going to kill you in that way. They are uh, they are amazing on the boards, and they're a team that understands their individual roles. And I we get this note. Uh, from from Mark Jackson on the broadcast earlier who pointed out, you know, Julius Randle, w- who essentially was, was benched in the fourth quarter, right? He's up clapping. He's high-fiving guys during the timeout. He's engaged. He's standing. And that is worth pointing out because he gets such a bad rap because of his behavior and he's selfish and folks just want to destroy him. And you know him going three for ten would be a much bigger story if the Knicks had lost this game, but the fact that he's still that engaged, I, I get. Like we shouldn't be in a place in sports society where we're, we have to praise guys for for you know interacting with their teammates and when they're on the bench, but for a guy with the the the, the reputation that he has had, I, I think a little unfairly, it was good to see him not wallowing in his own misery. Like, he was genuinely happy with the team victory, happy for his guys, applauding them, and and saying and understanding, look, I just didn't have it tonight. And credit Thibodeau for, for seeing a guy who didn't have it. Let's ride with the hot hands because the team is more important, the big picture is more important, and we're trying to win a playoff series. This is a huge, pivotal game. We lose this game. We go back to Cleveland 2-2. It's a completely different feel. So that was important, and I, I just wanted to acknowledge Julius Randle didn't have a great game. was was pretty awful, but the Knicks still found a way to get it done and to answer the caller's question. I guess a long-winded way to get to the point of the caller's question. I'm giving the Knicks most of the credit. The Cavs are a really good team, but the Knicks have made them uncomfortable. Their defense has just been suffocating. We head to Brooklyn, my old stomping grounds, to talk to Dave. What's up, Dave?
0: What's going on, Todd? Yo. Man, oh, man. I man, I spoke to you a couple weeks ago, man. And, boy, I was saying last time about this guy Randall. And I said it. I said they don't need him. The problem with Randall is he does too much. And that's why you got the point guard. That's why you got Robinson. You got everybody playing their role. And Obi Toppin he plays his role. He's a spot-up shooter. Yeah, he doesn't play defense. I can go down the list. of plenty of players out here in the NBA that don't play defense. You know, and at the end of the day, the ball moves so much faster. It's like they said, he's a, Randall's a ball stopper. That's what he is. Everybody stops and waits and sees what he does. And now since he hasn't been on the court, they see, even the coach now sees, that it is working. And that's why they were saying, even during the game, you know, should they bring Brent Randall out on the floor? And he made that decision to let him sit on that bench. He claimed maybe it's because of an injury purpose. Honestly, I think it's because the coach is now seeing it, that, man, we don't need this guy. Wait. We're doing just fine without Dave, him. so
1: let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. So you, what's your confidence level in the Knicks right now, on a scale of 1 to 10, as far as them – not just winning this series, but making more noise in the playoffs. On a scale of one to
0: ten. Honestly, I think they can go really far because you're starting to see all these injuries mount up. All right. Look so on a scale of
1: one to ten, you're at what, like a a nine and a half?
0: I i more of like a nine, okay. eight and a half. So I you're at eight say. and a
1: half, nine now. If we, if, if, if eight and a half to nine. Okay. So I have a follow. up let, Dave, Dave, wait. I have a. I'll let you finish. I have a follow up. There's a reason why I asked you that. So right now, just to bring it back, just so people understand, you are at, as far as your confidence level in the Knicks going forward in the playoffs, not just this series, but to make noise in the Eastern Conference, we'll see what happens with Milwaukee, Miami, and then on the the other side of the bracket, you're probably going to have Boston. But as far as your your confidence in this team going forward, it's an 8.5 or a 9. So you mean to tell me if if tomorrow morning— Woj reports the Knicks have decided to shut Julius Randle down the rest of the season. That eight and a half, nine balloons to a ten, like you feel better about your chances if Julius Randle isn't a part of this equation? That's what you're
0: telling me. I sure do. I sure do. I honestly do. You know why? The simple fact is you got so many other players on different teams that are getting injured. And those teams that are getting injured, the Knicks played them at full strength. When they had their players and beat them, they beat the Miami Heat before. I've seen them do it. So it's not like it's, it's, it's a realm of possibility that they can't do it. It's very possible. And now now the Knicks are and they're not you, you, the last person that you want to see hurt is Randall, honestly, but at the same time, Topman is doing a good good as of a job as, as it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the eye test, and I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it with my own two eyes that the Knicks is actually making noise, and they actually play defense compared to some of these other teams out here. All
1: right. Listen, I appreciate the call, Dave. I appreciate the confidence. I I would disagree about the random part of it. I think two things can be true. You can absolutely, and we've seen it, win games with Julius Randle struggling because this team is in better position to withstand that, than they were two years ago. When you're running, you know Alfred Payton out there, and and you know Derek Rose, what was left of him out there, and and you really have no other guys to turn to now. With Jalen Brunson being an All-Star caliber point guard, and in, in, in the midst of the best stretch of his career, uh, to the point where we're now wondering where does he rank as far as all-time signings uh, in Knicks history. You have uh Josh Hart and, and Obi giving you contributions off the bench. RJ Barrett had the best performance of his career this afternoon. We're, we're going to talk about him more a little bit later on. Your defense has been outstanding. You are capable of winning games without Julius Randle. I just don't know that your ceiling is very high if we are now deciding we're stashing him. Like he's no longer good for us. We're just going to put him on the bench. And roll with Obi Toppin and everyone else. I just disagree with that. I also find it odd that after picking up the biggest win you've had in years, you're focusing on the negative like Julius Randle. Strike to me as odd. 800 919 3776. More of your phone calls coming up. We will once again, uh, well, not once again, we will get to uh, the question whether or not I owe Jul- uh, RJ Barron an apology. That's going to be coming up.
0: You are listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
1: You are on such a high. Round two is that the ceiling? Eastern Conference Finals, NBA Finals. So far, we got Voltor on all three. Head to D. Butler on Twitter, Instagram, and weigh in on the conversation eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Back to the phone lines we go. St. Pete is where we talk to a good man, a very good friend of the show of the station. His name is Spike. What's up, Spike? How you doing?
3: I'm very happy today. I'm happy you experienced going to the game. Uh, I'm sure you've been to Nick playoff games before, and um, it's not your first, right? No, it's not. Yeah, because it's crazy in that building, especially a 1 o'clock Sunday game, which uh, I wasn't weaned on, but my children were in the 90s. It was a regular event. Listen, they're not going any further than this round, nor should they, uh, You know, notwithstanding major injuries to key players. Which brings me back to your Lakers. I as much you know how much I love the NBA and I know how much you love the NBA. We have that in common. That's our sport. That's our go-to. That's what we look forward to the most. No arguments to that. But what's going on with with these guys like Brooks, who, who are Memphis, which which is hardly uh, difficult for me to understand because the kid's a good player. And he, he gives LeBron a tough time, too. But the extracurricular stuff, and you're seeing these stars, you know, it bothers me. I want to see the best basketball. Uh, this stuff uh, doesn't belong in the game, and something's going to have to be done for a couple of reasons. And then real quickly, I'll get back to the next. Look, before something bad happens, they have to do something here, and I don't know what it is. But it was very upsetting last night. I was into that uh, Laker game. I think Memphis has as much talent young talent as anybody in the league but they're immature and it's showing and that's partially coaching and execution and uh, you know that one rotten apple now the kids are good ball players no question about it but that's unnecessary so on a high note i'll finish the call it's great to hear you nba is front and center which it should be now because the games are riveting what the Knicks did today, and you alluded to it, was the lack of uh, participation, of uh, positiveness from a couple of guys. But Leon Rose and William Wesley and the scouting, uh, I forget the guy's name, he came over from Utah, I believe, or Minnesota, uh, to getting Josh Hart. And in Jalen Brunson in one year and then partially one year. I know they went to the same school. I know this history. But do any guys play the game? I mean, there are some. Any smarter on the floor than either one of those two young kids? It's amazing to me how Josh Hart always finds the ball. That's not happenstance, Ty. That's a, just a – does he have a floor in his game?
1: Is that a, fl- a floor or a floor? a flaw. A flaw. I mean, look, he 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 plays his role well. He's an excellent on-ball defender who can rebound especially for a guard. Like he's a, he's a great rebounder for a guard. He's not your prototypical scorer at that size. Doesn't have a great ball handling, but everything that you need him to do and everything that this team needs from him, he does very well.
3: But when he went to Portland and Dane was out, he started and he averaged 18 to 19 points a game. I think it's there. I think he just takes what they give him and he acquiesces to the other guys. He's always around the ball. He has great hands. He has tremendous upper. That's why he goes coast to coast so much, Cy. And you made a statement about, you know, almost on a better day. He just just gets there because he's very strong at the top of his body. It's it's a wonderful thing for a Knicks fan to see just intelligent people that get on the court, play smartly, and most of all, thanks for the time. Watching R.J. Barrett have a breakout game, he abandoned, he's not a shooter, we know that, but he used his strength and he played decent defense. He hasn't been a good defender. It's fun to be a Nick fan, and I think it's fun if A.D. plays well, your Lakers could surprise a lot of people because the West isn't that strong.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the call, Spike. And we're seeing injuries... Now really shape the the playoff picture, and it sucks because you know Giannis dealing with the the back contusion. He's now missed you know all, almost the entirety of Game One. Out for Games Two and Three. Miami leads that series. Embiid missed the Game Four in the net series with a knee sprain. We don't know how significant it is, but Doc did say. Uh, it's going to take him some time to get back on the court. Now, you know, they swept the net, so they got some time to rest. Uh, but that could that could be a huge deal, especially for a guy who's had a, a, an injury history. Uh, in Memphis, John Morant did come back, but he hurt his hand. And, you know, everything else that's going on around the league is just – we're really starting to see it affect the playoff picture. And if you're a Knicks fan, you can dream a little bit. You don't want to get too ahead of yourself because you still have to win this series. The Cavs down 3-1. By the way, the last time they were down 3-1, we saw how that ended. You're a different team, obviously. I'm joking. But you want to get past this series and then see what can happen. If you do so, and you're... Because of the side of the bracket you're on with the 1-8 matchup in Miami and Milwaukee, if Giannis is compromised and you get either a compromised Milwaukee team in round two or a Miami team who you handled pretty well during the regular season, you start to feel pretty good about your chances in the playoffs. So, look, you, you fantasize about it. Don't get too ahead of yourself. Still some business to take care of on Wednesday in Cleveland. You know that building's going to be rocking, and you're, you're going to get a very desperate Cavs team looking to put the pressure uh, back on the Knicks to defend their home court if they go out there and win game five. We're going back to Brooklyn. To talk to Jose, who was also at the Garden. What's up, Jose? How was the experience?
4: Oh man, Ty! It was fantastic. I can everything as advertised. Everything as as what I hoped for as a kid. You know, being from Brooklyn, rooting for my next year that in that '90s period. It was fantastic, and I cannot say enough about it. It was an amazing game for me. I had to, and especially, you know, hey, I'm here, like I told the the call screener, I'm here to slam dunk on you, Ty. Let's do it. I had to hear all the time. You know how much I was a big R.J. Barrett supporter, and I had to hear all the inconsistency, which was true. And all of the flaws, which are also true, yes. Sometimes he can't, can Sometimes he can't go right, and sometimes you know, you know, he doesn't have the shot and everything else that goes along with it. But to see him actually break out and have this game and have the guard and cheer for him, I thought that that was fantastic. And I do gotta say. um I was very surprised uh, with what Tibbs did, but Tibbs did the right thing. He gave gave Julius Randle the RJ treatment and said, you're not playing that well. Your body language is not that great. You're sitting down in the fourth quarter. And that was something that I did. I would have never expected from Tibbs to do that to Julius Randle with how much Julius Randle had kind of gotten away with. But to see him do that, and I do do give kudos because um, people did mention that, you know, he wasn't sulking, he wasn't, you know, he was actually involved in the game. So I did see that, I did see that from my, you know, limited view from being all the way up at the top. But um, I got to say this, though, Ty, um, your boy Randall, because I know he, he's a late the draft pick and everything, he, he's got to step up because those rumblings are going to get louder if he does not show up in these, in these next two games.
1: Well, listen, I, I appreciate the call, Jose, and you have every right to dunk on me. I welcome that. stuff it in his face. If you're someone who wants to rag on me for the Cavs five prediction, I'm not running from it. I'm not sensitive to it. This is the, the cost of uh, of doing this type of business. I, I gave a legitimate reason as to why I picked the Cavs in five. But, obviously, that has not gone the way that I expected it. Uh, quickly, because he just brought up RJ Barrett, and it's it's a conversation I want to get into. So, Jacob, I walk into the studio today. What's up, Jacob? How you doing? Hey, what's going on, man? How you feeling? I walk into the studio. I'm feeling good. I walk into the studio today, and literally the first thing you said to me was that you got a call from one Raymond Santiago, who is the producer of DPH on Rothenberger, so you can hear, 6 to 10 a.m. every morning, and he's also on the Nick broadcast as the as the producer. And what did
5: Raymond Santiago say to you? I mean, you you Ty Butler were supposed to be signing the RJ apology.
1: Uh, signing the RJ Barrett apology. Why? Why? Why would that be?
5: Because you, I would say, you have been one of the more critical hosts on this station. About at what point? <laughs> I not say that he stunk. Not only, not only about the Knicks, but more so, RJ Barrett. Okay, so I'm glad that that was presented to me.
1: The caller served it up as an alley. You provided the context. We go to Twitter, uh, where, where Ray Santiago is now calling for people to apologize to RJ Barrett. And you can check the box for the reason that applies to you. And I guess you can check as many that apply to you as possible. Uh, One of the reasons would be the media told me he was a bust. I didn't watch the games. I'm a nerd who only looks at analytics. Uh, I hate Canadians is on here. I was jealous of RJ. I don't know basketball. And at the bottom it says, I will hereby respect Rowan alexander Barrett Jr. and will not talk down... On the future All-Star. By the way, if he is a future All-Star, it would be nice to see uh, at some point him become that before we call him a future All-Star. But neither here nor there. So here are a couple things on RJ Barrett. Yes, I was very critical of him. And by the way, it was warranted. If you disagreed with the criticism that I had of Archie Barrett, it was obviously because you were a homer who was seduced by the fact that this was a homegrown talent, drafted number three overall, a nice kid. And what we tend to do as fans sometimes, I was a victim of this as a Laker fan, uh, who didn't want to give up the young guys for Anthony Davis. We We are sometimes in a situation where we overrate, our young players and our own assets. R.J. Barrett was fantastic today. He 26 points, nine, a 9 of 18 shooting, and it wasn't just the stat line. You saw the energy. You saw the decisiveness. You saw how crisp he was attacking the basket. You saw he wanted the ball. You saw that there were plays drawn up for him coming off screen and rows, going to the basket. This was his moment, and for the first time ever, In a big game, he wanted it, he delivered, and he deserves props. However, the people who are in my mentions uh, and have been all day since this game ended demanding that I apologize for for my criticism of R.J. Barrett, y'all have lost your damn minds, and if you tuned in thinking you were going to get an apology from me, you better kick rocks. The the reason it was fair to criticize him was because we were watching a guy— before our very, own guy, our very own eyes crumble. And guys try to act like there were so many excuses. Well, he's still young. Okay, it's year four. Can we see some growth? How about that? Okay. he's he Now, before the season we heard it was because he doesn't have a true point guard. That's the reason why he's struggling. Now we're hearing it's because he has a point guard and he's the third option he's behind Brunson. He's behind Randall. It never made sense. It, so it's not that you're a casual or you're not watching the Knicks. It's not that you are someone who is driven by analytics. Not that you're a hater. It's not that it was premature. We had four years of evidence of him not being a difference maker. Has he been an all-star? No. Has he been a top 55 player in the NBA this season?
5: I mean, but I do see a criticism heavy, uh, And I I guess for the listeners, they will want you to walk back some of the things you say, which I know me working with Ty for numerous rounds of years now, he won't do that. Absolutely not. He will admit when he's wrong, but he's not going to walk back a take that he's already said. It's been flagrant and obvious about it. But our struggles was concerning to me prior to these last two games.
1: And it was concerning to everyone. So as I mentioned, it wasn't that I was being a hater wasn't that I was watching a guy rooting for him to not succeed. I was being critical of someone, fairly, of a guy who just struggled. And that's what it is.
0: You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
1: apologize to RJ Barrett for one good game. He was great today. He was great. And I give him credit for it. The Knicks needed it. He was fantastic. But if you think I'm going to come on here and apologize to him after one great game, you, you out your mind, bro. Out your mind. Stop it. all the criticism was warranted. Because here's what we know. Compared to last year, drop off in points, drop off in rebounds, drop off in assists. This was the worst shooting year of his career. Late in games, his own coach was benching him at times. Lost it on defense. He was not a difference maker. Wasn't one of the 55 best players in the league, and that's despite being drafted number three overall and being given a $100 million contract extension. You want me to come on here and apologize after one great playoff game? He was fantastic. He was phenomenal. Apology, Man, you ain't getting that from me. And Dave Rothenberg, who I love, out here tweeting gifts of RJ Barrett as if he wasn't also criticizing him. What a fraud! He was also he was also criticizing him. The same person. Yeah, man, I don't know if this guy's gonna be it. I don't think he's ever gonna be a great player. Now he's tweeting RJ Barrett gifts. Fraud. Let's go to Manhattan we talk You want to hustle? What up, Jack? Hey, what's up? Let's hear it, Jack. What do you got?
0: I need some more specifics about, like, you know, obviously the Garden's great and R.J. Barrett had an aberration game today, but I need you to break it down because I'm betting on going forward. Why should I bet
5: the Knicks? Give me the real reasons, not the, the obvious.
1: Shit. You mean, wait, what? Come on, dude. Uh, well, first of all, if you are betting the Knicks, you mean the series, or you know, going forward in the playoffs, here's what happened. Here's what's happening in the series. The Knicks front court is dominating. They are suffocating in the painted area. So the Cavs guards, even when they get penetration, aren't able to really finish because the Knicks have two awesome shot blockers. And they're also crushing it on the boards. That's allowing possessions to be kept alive. So the Knicks are getting second chance points. They're getting fast break points over turnovers. All of the, the 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 minutia, like the those those inner battles that you want to win, outside of just having great players, they're winning all the battles. Rebounding, fast break, and turnovers. And so far, Donovan Mitchell has been absent since game one. And if your best player is not going to show up in a series, you're going to have a hard time winning said series. So Brunson has been amazing. randall has been up and down. You got one great game from R.J. Barrett. Josh Hart and OB and the bench has been fantastic. But the reason the Knicks are winning this series is because defensively they are making it a nightmare for those Cavs guards. On the boards, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley have just been soft, and the Knicks have taken advantage of it. So that's why they're winning this series. Fred, what's up? How, what do you got? Fred in Brooklyn.
2: Hi, Ty. A couple of points, if I may. It's irritating to hear people criticizing Randall and think that OB is anywhere near the player that Randall is. He carried this team for seven to 77 games, and without his contribution, the Knicks wouldn't be in the position they're in today. That's number one. I agree with you. The criticism of RJ was very warranted. Because I was one who was criticizing him. But I called after the first game and said for the Knicks to win this series, we have to get at least two good games from Arjun. And it's good that he delivered those two games. But I'm also very disappointed in quickly. I expected much more from him. Lastly, tell me what do you think of this? I think the anemic production from Donovan Mitchell is largely due in part to the defense that. Hart has been playing on him. I know to move Hart from the bench would disturb the chemistry of this team, but I think we should go for the juggler now and start Hart in the upcoming game to play defense on...
1: Well, Hart's, well Fred, Hart, Hart, Hart started today in place of Quentin Grimes.
2: Right, but I'm saying if Quentin Grimes is... is um.
1: Even if he oh, you're saying even if he's healthy, you, okay. You're saying yes. even if he's healthy, you continue to start Hart.
2: That's right. Yeah. The Go for the juggler
1: now. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. You you roll with what's working, and there was an argument to be made for Josh Hart entering the starting lineup uh, in the regular season in place of RJ Barrett when RJ Barrett was struggling. We saw that that become. Something that folks wanted because they thought that Hart, what he brought to them defensively and his ability to hit threes, which RJ wasn't giving you, could be valuable for that starting lineup. So yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you, especially if Quentin Grimes is hurt. If if he's hurt, then it's a no-brainer you keep Josh Hart in the starting lineup. And even if he's even if he's um if he's healthy. Maybe you go back to, you know, Hart being in a style lineup and you just bring Quentin Grimes off the bench, who can still be valuable to you. Who can still be
0: very valuable to you. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.